Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Elle here along with my co-host, Jules. Hi, everybody. And I've stumbled over my tongue or whatever when I tried to say welcome back to the podcast because we have renamed the podcast and a couple of you guys have seen it and made comments about it on Instagram already. So now that the podcast is not just me rambling, we, Jules and I decided to rename it the Best Fit Body Podcast. And for those who don't know, Team Best Fit Body is our online coaching business and team. Uh, so we are Team Best Fit Body and we are a coaching staff and team of coaches for bodybuilding, bikini figure and fitness competitors, as well as lifestyle online training. So we kind of are meshing them together. And now the, the podcast is our baby together when at first it was just my baby. So we have a mom and daughter have a baby. Baby together. <laughs> yeah. It's just the normal things. It's just the normal thing. Yes. Well, it has evolved. It has definitely grown and flourished. And I'm so excited every time that we sit down at the microphones and start to talk about topics that interest you. They obviously excite us and interest us. So if we can share our education, our experience, our expertise, and, you know, have you enjoyed listening to us for a little bit, then that makes us very happy. Yeah, that's what we're here to do. So today's episode is just a little hodgepodge of a bunch of things that our listeners have requested for topics that we talk about. They've asked us questions. So this episode is for you guys, for things that you just want to know about our opinions on, our suggestions, any of our experiences, and, and advice. It's an advice episode. And overall, just a little bit of everything. Sometimes we can take one particular topic like we have in the past and really dug into it. And other times, you know, and it really, I think today, Ellen and I were sort of tossing around ideas and we were like, we had so many ideas, we couldn't <laughs> hammer it down going, to one. <laughs> I kept going, That's this is boring me. <laughs> I kept saying like, this is really boring me. I don't want to talk about this. And so I think that when we realized that we had so many topics that you guys were interested in, I was like, wait a minute, let's not bore ourselves or bore our listeners and toss out some topics that you guys want to know. So do you have a a one that you want to just get started with right away? You know, again, you know, I feel like today my brain is in a thousand places, just like most of you, you wake up in the morning and you have your plan and sometimes the day just explodes. And I feel like I had a full day exploding all up until we sat down to do this. So do you have one that you want to start with? Yeah, Um, sure. If you're not ready. Go ahead. All right. So the first uh, listener, Kayleen Aesthetic, and I'm sorry if I butcher any of the names. Some of you guys have some funny Instagram names, um, which not to say this is funny. It's just, it's beautiful. But her topic was Bulking mindset and how to overcome insecurities or doubts that might come with weight gain during a bulking phase and tips on how to minimize fat gain during a bulk. So basically, she is just curious about how to deal with wanting to put on muscle in order to change and develop her physique, but is worried about the kind of mental 
struggles that go along with putting on the muscle, then comes fat gain. Yeah, I think that I I actually really I like feel it. like this this topic we could probably talk about for mm, quite a while because well, it, well, I want to hit on a lot of we do so. we do so so you know it was the very first part of this I'm just going to give my sort of off the cuff this is not prepared at all but my words I guess of wisdom or some words of support or tips um, you know the bulking mindset again that concept of bulking um, you know the word bulking can have some negative connotations when we hear it you know if you ask a woman about bulking she'll have one connotation and for the most part if you ask a man he'll have a different connotation and that's very generalized but I do think that there are a lot of people who are in the sport of aesthetics when they realize they do need to increase their size. I'm just going to say size. And usually we refer to that as muscle size, that that concept of bulk means bigger. And so you're going to have to get bigger. It is really virtually impossible to only add muscle, as you all know. So there is going to be a degree of fat gain there. But what I I think it always seems to come back to is knowing what your goals are and making sure that your activities follow through to the goal. So it will be easier, or I guess it will help your mindset if you always remember that the activities that you're doing every day are really for the goal you have. So if you're trying to increase your food intake and changing your training to add muscle size, then you're going to get bigger. And I think you just have to wrap your brain around that. And it is, and I think you have to get away from the good and the bad of that. It is, it is a goal. And if your goal is to get bigger, AKA bulking, then that's your goal. And you stay focused on that. And if it is weight gain that has to happen because of that, accept it. You know, if you're not following the plan and you're not getting the results, then you're going to struggle. But if you're following the plan and you're getting the results of what your goal is, then I think you just keep your mind on that. I have this conversation with a lot of people and they say things like, I'm really fine when I'm in the gym and I, I understand the goal. I'm excited. I'm stronger in the gym. I feel great. But it's like when you go to put on like your normal clothes, like put on jeans and like you're going and doing things that are unrelated to fitness is when you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I've actually had this conversation with a lot of people and I totally get that because I've gone through it too, where it's like, I don't care how big and strong my legs are when I'm in the gym deadlifting, but it's like when I'm trying to like put on my cute clothes, it's like, oh, I just want my clothes to fit like they should. And so my opinion and kind of suggestion for that is that try to, yes, think about your main goal. And if your main goal is to put on size and build muscle and get stronger, stay focused on that, but also work it into your comfortability level in the other areas of your life too. Because if you're only going to be happy 50% of the time, maybe your goal is not really your main goal. So you kind of have to find that that balance in between like how can you improve in the gym and then also be happy outside the gym. And I think you you raised a great point there, Elle, um, about 
going and putting on your clothes and maybe they're not your gym clothes. Maybe you're, they're your work clothes or yeah, I'm like, I'll wear my leggings all day. I'll be comfortable. Right. <laughs> or you're special going out. Exactly. You're going out with your friend's clothes. You know, not everybody wants to go ahead and buy new clothes, but you just might have to. And one of the frustrating things is we do know that a lot of cute clothes that are not gym clothes are not really designed for the athletic physique. So, you know, your waist is probably tiny and maybe your glutes and your quads are a little bigger and then you go and try something on and the the waist is tight to have it fit your hips and thighs or you know the reverse so you might have to just sort of buck it up and go and buy some clothes that are going to fit you during this bulking phase and just accept that dress dress for your body type and so sometimes you gotta dress for your your bulking body type exactly and if you you know if you always are trying to get into the jeans that you wore you know when you graduated high school that just might not be appropriate your body changes through the course of life and you might if you're going to embark on this aspect of changing your physique and you have to go through with it, you might have to budget out some clothes that are going to be able to be um, adaptive to this. You know, that's why here in the Northeast in the wintertime, we love it because we can all, all hide under big bulky clothes yeah, because it's cold. Yeah, sweaters. Yeah. And so in bulking, you're bulky clothes. But, you know, especially people who, you know, maybe have warmer temperatures in the winter time it's harder to have seasonal clothes as much yeah all righty yeah let's move on from that one so that one you got something now the only last thing was that maybe you want to throw a couple of tips on how to minimize fat gain during a bulk very very simply don't overeat and if you're in a surplus make it a slight surplus you really really get zero benefit from putting on like a little bit of fat is good to build muscle due to a small surplus, like a little bit above maintenance, but you can only build muscle so fast. So your the fat gain will just accumulate. It ends up being a little bit of like a boomerang effect. So if you feel like I've been bulking, I've been, you know, I'm in the surplus and it's been like a month and I haven't seen any progress and you start to ramp up calories super high in the next four weeks, you'll likely gain way more than you want. So just, just keep in mind and take some time to figure out what your true maintenance is and find out what that surplus is. And, you know, depending on how much weight you need to gain, if you're like severely underweight, it's all kind of unique to you. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, everybody's a little different, but again, you know, just as if you were dialing in um, to lean out, you should have a plan slow and steady. Absolutely. So this next comment by Coco GXO, and it is, I guess, asking for some advice on getting motivated when you feel like you've lost all and complete motivation how to fall back in love with lifting the gym, competing all over again. It seems that she's struggled with losing her motivation and and really digging into trying to find it again. So comments, thoughts, Elle, that you want to share about how to fall in love with fitness again? No. No? (laughs) (laughs) Mostly mostly because I I have like a little bit more of a tough love kind of um, mindset when it comes to motivation because – no one is going to be motivated all the time. And so a lot of it for me is like, okay, if you're unmotivated, the first thing that I do if I'm unmotivated is I look at my routine and I look at what I'm doing in my daily life and like when I'm most motivated and most unmotivated 
and I have to move things around to make it more optimal for me to be motivated. So if that means getting up early before the workday starts, then, you know, those are my suggestions. It's like, you're not just going to wake up one day after being in a rut and be like, I'm not in a rut anymore. You have to kind of consciously not be in a rut. Like, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to take action. Like, I feel for it. Like, I understand. Like, and I feel for people who are going through things in their lives that are pulling them down. But a lot of it is kind of like, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I agree a lot with that. I do think that motivation has to be found within and and what inspires you. But sometimes we do get stuck in the routine of things. And it can feel suffocating to feel stuck in a routine. But this is where I say to the person, if you really care about your health and fitness, then don't hesitate to break free of your routine and do something different. You can still be fit and active and and moving towards fitness goals by doing something else that's not just going to the gym. You might say, well, I'm getting tired of doing my lifting routine. Well, maybe I'm going to go and take a kickboxing class. Maybe I'm going to go and just, you know, start to jog some trails or hop on my bike and ride outside. And maybe you just need a change of scenery for a little bit. Yeah. Working out with a friend is really helpful. Helping Working out with a friend. So sometimes it helps if you're feeling stifled and that you can't get out of your own way, then really get out of your own way. Give yourself permission to go and do something else active. and then. Usually you feel a little bit um, more comfortable with the idea that you're still taking care of yourself and not so much trapped into the routine that you feel stuck in, but you can expand and realize that health and fitness can overlap into other things. So maybe you've lost sight of what the routine of the gym, the bodybuilding, you know, uh, competing, and and maybe you do need a break from that. So don't feel compelled because that's where you started that you have to complete it. If you do feel that it's not fulfilling you, it's okay to do that. I agree with Elle that you got to suck it up, buttercup, to keep on being healthy and taking care of yourself and never stop moving. That's my feeling, and never mm. stop taking the choices of what you're putting into your body seriously. But it doesn't always have to be regimented. And sometimes we feel suffocated by the regiment, unless you've already committed to a show and you're like a few weeks out, then you know, then you have to make a decision if that's important enough to you. So um, maybe you just need a little bit of a change of yeah, change and a new goal and a short term goal. Truthfully, Mm -hmm. I think long term goals are great. And it's really good to have an idea of how you see yourself in six months or a year or what you see your future being like. But the only way to get there is to make those daily changes. So, and then I think that a lot of times if we're only thinking about that end goal, um, that like year down the road, like next summer, I want to be fit. It's like, okay, well, that's only going to happen if those day to day, like hour to hour choices are are going on. I just have one more thing to add on this. Um, In terms of what a lot of competitors experience, they become a little bit of an adrenaline junkie and the thrill of their competition prep. And this happens so many times. And then, you know, the show is over and they don't know how to recapture that energy of the adrenaline. And they perceive that as loss of motivation because they don't get that same thrill. Whereas you just sometimes have to dial it back, allow yourself to get you know, sort of re-engaged and and little bursts of adrenaline, you know, the endorphins kicked back in. So that's just all I wanted to add on that. Yeah, no, that's good. (laughs) All right. This next one is from 
Kiki Fisky. Her first name's Kirsten. Kiki. She said, I'd love to hear you talk about the struggle or maybe even the ease of deciding to prep or not when you're an experienced competitor, which I like because it's like speaking to my soul. She says, as in how feeling pressured by either your sponsor, coaches, significant other, friends, followers, etc., to compete again when you yourself feel you need the time off. She said, how do you deal with that decision-making process and battle with keeping up your relevance in the sport versus keeping your goals cyclical and keeping your mental state healthy? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sending you love. Sending you love right back. I love that because that's a really legitimate thing that I myself have dealt with and that I know a lot of people have dealt with as competitors, even if it's like a first-time competitor. And I think with the internet and social media, we do love to share our journeys. And when you have a lot of people cheering you on, whether it's just your family or whether it's, you know, thousands of people on the internet, like when I've prepped and I've put it out there, I have had lots of people watching me and that pressure is no joke. And I think what I've always done is that I've always shared very publicly what I was feeling. So whether it was, I'm in it, I'm going to compete or I'm in a rocky place right now. I don't think I'm going to. I felt that there was a lot of pressure, but as long as I stayed true to myself, you know, whether I got people thinking that I was wacky or whatnot, because of those feelings, I definitely made it a priority of mine to just stay true to my heart and always share whether I was feeling good or not good or wanted to prep or didn't want to prep. And as much as I worried about the feedback I would get, it was actually almost always positive feedback because people were like, wow, okay, I'm not the only one with these feelings. I'm not the only one that's gone back and forth because you sacrifice so much when you're in a competition prep that sometimes you feel like you want to throw in the towel and sometimes it's the right thing to do. And other times it's, you know, it's just a feeling. Yeah. And I I have to say, I do firmly believe that you take responsibility for yourself and your choices and you should not have to apologize for your choices. And if you have a sponsor who might have a criteria and they say, for example, you know, you need to compete a certain number of times within a period of time, but then I think you have to have an honest conversation with them and say, you know, I could compete at this particular show, but I, I want to bring my best. And that might not be right now. Yeah, so you shouldn't my, my thing uh, though with that yeah. sponsorship thing though is that sponsors are paying you or they're covering your costs and so it's like a job and so while that may not necessarily be fair or right you obviously can have a conversation with them but you do have to you know when you do make commitments like that you are kind of signing yourself up for it so it's not the same as like you hire a coach and you're worried about letting the coach down it's like well you know it's your money <laughs> like if you pay the coach and you don't do the show. Yeah, the coach and you may be disappointed. You may lose a little bit of money, but with the sponsorship, when you signed a contract, that's a little, that's, that's, that's different. different. Yeah. That's, that's very different spot. Yeah. But I think when it's for you and if you're worried about letting people down or, or whatnot, most, most of the time, the people that care about you will not care if you're doing the right thing for you. So that's kind of my thought there. Yeah, no, I agree. But if it is, if it is just your choice, I know it's true if, if it's part of the job, you know, you have to show up and you have to do the work. But yeah. if, if you're really struggling, if health is a concern and you still have 
that obligation, then you should talk to them about it if you're worried about that. If not, then you just have to put one foot in front of the other and get it done. Yeah, yeah. All right, your turn. You choose. My turn. Okay, okay. Oh, I, I actually, this is another competition one, but I, I really like this question. All right. This is from Anna Dot Bollock. Very cute name. Oh my gosh, you ladies and gents with your names. Mostly ladies here, yes. So many get completely consumed by the competition prep lifestyle and look. How about the importance of having other hobbies or goals during an off-season or even during prep? And I love this because I do firmly believe if you're going to compete, you know, your first time that you do a show, yes, you do tend to get very much um, swallowed up by all of the things that are going on. But if you want to be able to live a happy life and a balanced life, then you absolutely need to compartmentalize the difference between competition and everyday life. And it's the same thing. I think if you learn how to balance that while you're prepping, you are more than likely going to have a more, um, a smoother off season because you will already be able to say, you know what? It's gym time now. It's family time now. It's work time now. It's other hobby time now, my friends, my, my social engagements. And I firmly believe that you have to be able to have bits and pieces of that at all times. Otherwise, you will burn yourself out. You will exhaust um, yourself and others around you. And they will, you know, maybe you'll get a little less support than you would have liked during your competition prep. But, you know, a lot of people who are attracted to what it takes to be a competitor are people who tend to want to embrace something with this all or nothing approach. And if I had, uh, you know, a dime for every time somebody said, you know, I only can compete when everything is perfect and I'm able to dedicate 100% to them, to the aspects of things, I almost want to just shake my head and look at them with a, you know, with one of those knowing looks and saying, oh dear, you know, I understand you want that, but you're in for a little bit of a reality check because you just can't do that. And you're going to break your spirit if you think that this is the way that you're going to be able to compete in sort of this vacuum. So learning how to do this balance and being able to do all the things in life while you're in prep you know, then maybe sometimes you'll have to step back and say, no, I'm not going to go out drinking with my buddies because that is not going to be, you know, an easy thing for me to process while I'm on prep. But you need to be able to, you know, go out and do things and not completely shut yourself off so that when you are in your off season, when your friends say, let's go out and drink, you'll learn how to balance it and say, okay, I can go. Maybe I'm not going to drink myself silly, but you know, I'm going to learn how to incorporate this. Anything else you want to add to that? I lock myself up when I'm in prep. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, truthfully, like I'll just be honest. And I know that everything that you said is really great because I, I know that there are certain times where it's absolutely necessary to go out and do things like, you know, after work, you have to go to a dinner with your coworkers. You have to learn to balance all this. But when I have the choice, I am not going out when I'm in prep. Well, you, have, it's different no, from a choice. Yes. Right. Well, so, And that's what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that I, I'm, it was the, sorry, was the question asking how do you balance or what was the question asked? Well, the question was so many get completely consumed by the prep and lifestyle oh, yeah. and law, yeah. but what so, about giving importance to having other hobbies and goals? You know, yeah. To- I mean, 
enjoying it. Well, I mean, truthfully, when I'm in prep, my goal is prep. And you can't obviously like just stop caring about those other things, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being really consumed in your prep if it's important to you. And so if you're worried about what other people think or say when you're, you know, 12, 8, 6, 5, 4, whatever, 3, 2, 1 weeks out from a show, that's not fair. Like you're, you're supposed to be, I think it's okay to be all in. I just want to add a little bit there. And I think it, the point here, Ellen has a different focus and I think this is important. And I have never been one that felt like when I was in prep, that's all I could do. I needed to do other things. And I think maybe it's just because at the time, well, I think it also prep- comes from different end goals with the prep, like what oh. my purpose of prepping right is and what my goal for the end goal was and versus what your end goal was or process well, was. It is also where you are in your life. You know, my first time that I, I prepped, you know, I, I was working um, and I had two not terribly young children, but two young children and a husband and a, and a family, you know, life and all the things that I needed to do. So I was not given that option to shut things off. You know, yeah, so- but I I wasn't given that option either. I wasn't. I was a full time student and running mm-hmm. a business when right. I was prep. So right. it's like, exactly. So it's you not- did. So you did find time for it. So well, but- of course, just because you're busy doesn't mean that you don't do the dishes and like right. you don't exactly. start like doing those daily things like showering. Like you just have to do certain things. And so that's my opinion on it. But I do think that you don't necessarily need to always be finding that balance. It's okay not to have balance if you're not hurting anybody. And I think that comes down to the balance is perceived. So if it's causing, you know, an individual some stress that they're uncomfortable with it, then they need to change it. But if they're happy with it and it works for them, by all means, you know, so the bottom line is it has to be what is going to make you happy. Yeah. This leads right into the next, because I, it just made me think of this is kind of flows into the next question. And this one is from She Iron, which is our beautiful German princess, Teresa. And um, she says, when does passion become an obsession? And so I think that that kind of fits with this a little bit because I think that it's that self-perception thing. And I I feel like she's using obsession in a negative way, um, not necessarily being like, I'm obsessed with cinnamon rolls or something like that. Like it's like, when does it become like detrimental uh, when you get too passionate that it becomes an obsession? And I think that if, if you don't perceive it to be an issue, if it's somebody else calling you obsessed and using, saying it in a negative way, then that's their problem. If your passion starts to become something that's taking away from your life and you see it as that, you know, that's when it becomes too much. Absolutely. And I think that that obsession is often, you know, maybe um, if it is detrimental, if you are not taking care of things like, you know, you're not cleaning your dishes because you are obsessing over the activities that you needed to do for prep or that you were so distracted from focused on the things that you need to do. And if it was starting to affect your relationships so your job, you know, uh, other things and that, then that I think becomes a critical difference between your passion and it becoming a negative obsession. Uh, so I agree with that. Yeah. All right. So let's see. <sighs> While Jules is looking for the next one, I will say that we love the reviews that you guys are leaving us. We really want to get that review section a little bit, uh, 
larger on iTunes. So if you're if you're in a safe place, please you can do it while you're listening to this on your phone right now. You can go over and give us a five star review and uh, a rating and review and leave us your thoughts um, because that we we love to hear hear what you guys think and it really helps us out. So if you could just do that um, and you screenshot your review and you send it on over to us, whether it's via Instagram message, you can send it over to me that way. My Instagram's below. Um, we'll enter you to win a four-week training program with Best Body. So if you do that, screenshot it, send it over and we'll put you in, in the drawing and we'll announce it in the show notes of each episode. So are you ready for this next one? I'm ready. Okay. So Jordan Le- uh, Leah Fitness asks our thoughts on what is trending diet-wise in 2018. We were just talking about that. <laughs> so, yes, we were actually just talking about that. Um, about that. You know, I always say what goes around comes around, and so what is trending this year? It, it, I guess I, 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 it's hard for me just to say in 2018, but I want to say. I have had so many people in, even in this week, a lot of people all of a sudden are asking me again about intermittent fasting. Um, Keto, you know, pokes up a lot, but intermittent fasting, I think I actually had at least three or four of my, um, my current clients even asking me on concepts of intermittent fasting and uh, whether or not it would be appropriate and to do in competition prep, those were specifically, and it seemed like all of a sudden this is the buzz that they're asking about. So they're hearing about it. What about you, Al? What do you think? Well, I just Googled it because I was like, I'm interested like on what the internet says. So I found this, it's a, it's a reader's digest like article, but it just says these 10 diet trends need to disappear in 2018. And <laughs> keto's, and so keto is on it. Intermittent fasting is on it. Um, paleo's on it. Like the term clean eating is as well. Um, gluten-free is on there. Um, <laughs> this one stood out to me. Um, the bulletproof coffee freaking oh, yes. <laughs> because we haven't talked about that it's like whatever the the um the grass-fed butter and the mct oil um and like all that into your into your coffee in the morning like somebody was asking me something ridiculous like um they're trying to lose a lot of weight and they were like oh but i do you know i do bulletproof coffee and i'm like isn't that like 400 calories in your coffee in the morning i'm like fine if you're eating bulletproof coffee or drinking bulletproof coffee and you're not eating anything all day and you're in a caloric deficit sure that will work that's but- <laughs> totally keto <laughs> It, it, or no, it's just saying that it's just the bulletproof trend. And it's like, that has nothing yeah. to do with it. Just fit the fat into your macros if you want to. I still think macros are like the best way to go. I absolutely um, do. And I think, you know, all of those things are manipulation of, of categories or calories yeah, to, to induce a, a deficit in calories. You know, the yeah. keto, to be true keto, very few people um, feel very few, very few people can manage the keto, um, diet really as it's meant to be to get your body into ketosis. And it is, it's very risky for, 
for certain health situations. And I always say, you don't know if you have an underlying health issue that this might become a problem. And so you don't necessarily want to embark on a keto diet unless you are under uh, physicians uh, management and recommendation and they're watching you closely. You know, so sometimes people think, oh, I'm just going to eat keto. And that means that they're just going to eat a high fat diet. Yeah. It's that's not that at all. It's like 5% carbs and 20% protein and like 75% fat. So like if you literally try to fill your day with those foods, you're going to realize that you're eating nothing. Yes. It's just not a sustainable. butter. It's not sustainable. And, and if you were to go through this and you were under a doctor's care, you know, originally it was designed for uh, patients with epilepsy and mm-hmm. it, you know, it affects the, the neuro. Yeah. And the, it yeah. affects the neuro, um, the neurotransmitters in your brain. So you have to think about that. Like, what are you really doing to your body? And if you're doing it to lose weight, there are other ways to put yourself in a caloric deficit that won't be such a, a, a and I think, and I will say that I think that the people that people tend to, go to keto because it's such an extreme that it basically stops them from eating all the junk food that they were eating because they quote unquote can't have it. And so sure, that's fine. But first of all, it's not sustainable. So the second that you leave your house basically, and maybe you're on the road, how easy is it going to be for you to eat keto healthfully, like in a healthy way without like ordering burger patties from McDonald's or something like that, like on the go. Right. So I think people are afraid or they're too lazy to, it's getting kind of aggressive, but people are too lazy to learn moderation and they're too lazy to say, okay, well, I have a hard time not eating a whole box of cereal, so I'm just going to put it off limits. It's like, no. Learn moderation. Like, just if, they, if you will, if you think about it, if you will, and this is exactly that. If you apply that same kind of thinking to you know that box of cookies, and you say, you know what, if I was on um, on paleo, I would have all these this list of foods that I would be able to stick with. And people say, oh, you know, I feel great on paleo because I just stick with that food, and then they start to lose some weight because they're only eating those foods. They yeah, because they're in a caloric eating right, eating the cookies. So if you just apply that same thing to every day and say, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to eat a more balanced approach (laughs) and I'm just going to stay away from the cookie and you show that same, that same power discipline power. Yeah. And then, you know, people say, well, I don't understand. I don't have the willpower. Hey, no, (laughs) is discipline. And if you make up your mind, this comes down to, we took, we were talking about this earlier. Why do people who struggle and there are a lot of people who will go ahead and they'll say, I'm going to do a competition prep because when I'm on a competition prep, you know, I lose weight and I can stay on the plan. But when I'm off the competition prep diet, I lose all control. But it's purely a decision. It is yeah, absolutely 100%. a decision. And, you know, people will come to us and they'll say, well, I'm going to do a prep and I'm, I'm good, you know, and, but I really want to start 16 weeks out because that's when I'm going to say, you know, I, I'm not going to eat this, this, and this. I'm done binge eating Which, or whatever they do. Yeah. You know, if, but then they worry, I worry about those people because as soon as they release that decision or that dedication the day after the show, they've literally lost their willpower because they've lost their personal commitment to make these decisions. Yeah. It's not even like, and and to me, it's like they didn't even have willpower in the first place. They just had timelines where they were just like, you just can't, like there was no negotiation. So 
That was a that was a good question. That was um, a really good question. Yeah. So yeah, was it my turn or your it turn? was your turn because I just brought I talked about the diet. So it's, it's my turn. turn. Your turn. Brit Rupe thirty three. How to not eat everything in sight during that time of the month? She said hashtag help, <laughs> and I thought that was funny because this is kind of how I feel for almost all cravings and all like urges or just wants and needs in terms of food because let's be real the majority of us enjoy eating they enjoy food and so do i and so does Jules and you know especially when your hormones are a little bit out of whack and your you know cravings are a little bit crazier sometimes if you're not 2 weeks out from a show 6 weeks out from the show treat yourself to a little something that's going to satisfy your cravings if you have massive cravings all the time I think that it's important to keep track of your cycle and know when your hunger is uh, heightened and so you can prepare for that. And so you can have extra like low calorie snacks if you're trying to stay within your caloric restrictions, you know, having volume foods to tackle the hunger. But sometimes I say if you're if you're dreaming about, you know, a, a cookies and cream Hershey bar, I don't know why that came into my head because that sounds amazing. But if you've been thinking about that Hershey bar for two weeks now and you can't get it out of your head, Go get one, have a piece of it, satisfy the craving, and move on. You know, so you do have to know the difference between wanting to eat everything and then actually eating everything and then having that little bit. So it ties into the same thing about that discipline aspect is like sometimes, you know, we use things as excuses like it's the time of the month and, you know, my hormones are crazy. And it's true, your hormones probably are crazy and you probably are actually even a little bit hungrier. So if you can work in just maybe, 10 to 15% more calories on those days that you're extra hungry because your body's actually working harder, then allow yourself to have that as long as it doesn't turn into, I'm just going to eat this whole pint of Ben and Jerry's. And while I'm at it, I'm going to order, you know, I'm going to get Uber Eats and, and just buy everything and eat everything. I think that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I do think Sorry, that went on a rant. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's, it's true because I think hormonally and different people respond differently to um, hormonal levels. There are some people who never get cravings and there are people who the cravings um, really, really, uh, they say it's like the food talks to them or something's telling them to go ahead and eat something. And I think if you em- embrace it and take a look at it and say, well, you know, I'm trying to restrict, restrict, restrict pretty soon, you know, it's like putting that little finger in that dam and pretty soon the pressure builds so much that it just explodes instead of saying, okay, you know what, maybe I have to move my finger, release some of this pressure, and then I can patch it up and move on so that you don't have this total burst of, oh my gosh. And and then you say, well, I, you know, I had a piece of the candy bar. I'm going to go ahead and eat the whole candy bar. And then I'm going to go and have a pint of ice cream and et cetera, et cetera. I think this is where you have to be able to step back and look at also how are you taking care of yourself the rest of the month. And if you're living a very restricted food intake, and then when you are a little more fragile around your hormonal um, shifts, um, I don't, I tend to not call them crazy hormones. I just say hormonal shifts because it's natural. Now there are some people whose hormonal shifts are extreme. And if it becomes something that you really struggle with, that really is something that sometimes you have to address with your OBGYN. Um, and, you know, and just say, Hey, you know what, this doesn't feel 
manageable for me um, and find out if there's something that you can learn how to manage it better. And I, I do often talk to, you know, we talk with our clients about this, is that maybe we need to not have you over restrict those 27 other days of the month um, so that, you know, you can hit that time better prepared. You know, it's coming. Anything else you want to add on that? Because that's, no, I don't that's think a good so. one. That's a I, common one, you know, that people. Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it yeah. because we have a lot of women that listen to the podcast and that's definitely a common thing. And for me, it's funny because I never, I rarely attribute my hunger to hormones or like around my cycle. And I think that I just never have. And so it's funny. I'll be like, why am I so hungry and emotional? And then I'm like, oh, that's why. And so, but a lot of people who are, if, if the more in tune you are about what it is and when it is, rather than using it as an excuse to eat everything, use it as a guide to eat what's going to fuel you and make you feel the best. And, you know, sometimes you do just want to Dang piece of chocolate. Yeah. 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 And I guess I can speak for the postmenopause crew. That's a very strange time for a lot of women and their body shifts. And and for many women, all of a sudden their bodies don't feel like they're their own because no longer are they predictable. And there are a whole other slew of things that go on that you have to f- prepare yourself for. So, you know, be aware that it is something that you will have to survive your whole life with. And, you know, maybe you don't have PMS when you get to menopause, but you got, you know, a whole other set of things that you have to take into a consideration. So learning how to balance, um, again, there's that wonderful word, but also, you know, realizing that, you know, you want to fuel yourself with your nutrition so you feel good, that it also fuels you emotionally so that you're, you are feeling content, happy, satisfied. But, able to move on with your, your own health and fitness goals too. Okay. All right. Let's, um, let's talk about the last one. So do you have one? Um, this is kind of a loaded one. So I'll see if I can, I can break it down. This is Amber Jenkins. She says the difference between healthy foods based on nutrition versus aesthetics example, foods high in healthy carbs and fat. She said, I think a lot of people get confused with contradicting information. If you're trying to lose weight or maintain a very low body fat percentage, something like acai bowls, et cetera, containing a misleading amount of carbs, fats, unknowingly eating too much will hinder progress. Um, Okay. So basically what she's saying is, can you guys talk about kind of the food labeling of like healthy versus not healthy. And like, so somebody would be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get this acai bowl, which is, you know, lots of fruit and banana and honey and flax seeds and maybe cacao, whatever, um, versus, oh, you know, I'm not going to eat that turkey sandwich with like potato chips on the side um, because one's healthier versus not. And so without getting too specific, it's like there's nutrients and calories, and then there's calories without the nutrients. And so when we're talking strictly about gaining or losing weight, um, just strictly that it's, you know, calories are going to be the most important thing. When we're talking about health, it's a mixture of those calories as well as the nutrients. So the best thing to do is just have an education on how many calories your body should be consuming 
for whatever your goal is, and then taking it the one step further in ensuring that you're getting enough fiber and that you're getting good variety um, within that calorie allotment. Yes. You know, and I think that's, uh, I have a lot to comment on this, so I'm just going to try to sort of streamline this. And this is a little perspective on nutrition marketing, as well as our nutrition awareness, as well as what we actually know about the science of nutrition. A little history, my undergraduate degree is actually nutritional sciences. So the study of foods and nutrition in the components. And then of course, how those aspects then are now information put out there to everybody, the food labels and, and the the assignments of the good foods, the bad foods, the healthy foods, the not healthy foods. I think Ellen said it very well. There is knowing what is going to be the um, energy need of your body for whatever your goal is. So if, you know, you're trying to bulk, like we talked about way back at the beginning. So, you know, you might want to be in a, um, a caloric surplus and that's based on your energy expenditure as well as, you know, your food intake versus somebody who might need to lose some weight or, or change their body composition might be in a deficit. And then a whole bunch of people who are in, you know, energy equilibrium to maintain where they are. But then how do you make the appropriate food choices? And it comes down to a very general, broad spectrum here, variety and moderation. So if you want to have the turkey sandwich with chips, make sure the portion is appropriate to match your goal. If you want to have the acai bowl, have it in a portion that's appropriate to your goal. And then, you know, one day have the acai bowl and another day have the turkey sandwich. So it's all about education, uh, educating yourself on what your body needs and what you're putting into the body. And so the thing is, is that if you are living a healthy lifestyle, some days you'll choose the acai bowl and other days you'll choose the turkey sandwich and potato chips. Exactly. You know, if we flip it to the situation where we're talking about not necessarily, you know, the everyday athlete, but a competition athlete might say, well, I can have the turkey sandwich, but maybe I have to forego the chips because that might be energy, you know, extra calories that you don't need. But if you have somebody who's trying to add extra calories in and they're having a hard time hitting it, those are calorically dense foods that sometimes there's a place for them. So I guess that's my whole point mm. out there is a variety and not to exclude food groups unless you have trouble, you know, allergic or having, you know, intolerances. Yeah. That was a quick yeah. answer to a very complicated. Yeah, it was a very complicated, that could be a whole, <laughs> a whole other episode, but um, we'll wrap it up for the day because I don't want to keep you guys forever and ever. And we have, and this, <laughs> there was like, there was like 120 comments on this that I got from you guys. So we did not nearly hit all of them or even a fraction of them really. So we'll throw these out there every once in a while. If you did like this style of episode and you're listening, give us that five star review, um, rating and review and, and let us know if you guys like this stuff. Yes. And I know that many of you enjoy listening while you're, you're doing your training or, um, or you're commuting Cardio. to work. Hopefully we helped you maybe entertained you a little bit, maybe informed you, but helped you to pass the time on, on the things that you're doing, but thanks, thanks for don't listening forget, guys. Don't forget to rate, give us a rating. Yeah. Also subscribe to the podcast. Um, at least 
25% of you listening aren't subscribed. So double check that you are subscribed to the podcast if you are listening. Um, so you're just uh, notified every time we do post a new episode, which um, has has been pretty much every Tuesday is, is when the episodes go up. So one went up today and that one was on fat phobia, the body positivity movement, and self-image, body image in the fitness world. That was our our last week's podcast, which is now available for you to listen. So we will see you guys next week and have a good one. Bye. Bye, everyone.